0: Art, for me, is uh, hard to explain, hard to describe. I know f- I know that when I write music, um, I search for sounds that I want to inhabit. I create sounds at the keyboard, I sing, and I want to create a space that I just want to sit in. And sometimes that's a um, beautiful, relaxing space and sometimes it's a reaction to what I've gone through in the day. Um, But it's not always art yet. It's kind of that pre-art making process and then once I sit in that, whatever that is, in any moment of my day, I can put pieces together to make that happen consistently. So I don't know if that makes sense, but like, um, if I am enjoying this space that I'm creating sonically, then I can then reproduce that. I can write music that, um, expresses that so that maybe you feel that sense of acceptance and the architecture that I feel when I'm in it. If you feel like looking up and and this is like an awe ah, moment, then I've succeeded musically. I've cre- recreated what I've felt and made you have that moment. And for me, that's what I am always trying to do when I write. As for what art is, it's kind of like what, uh, what was it? Uh, the, ju- the Supreme Court Justice that said, uh, I don't know how to describe pornography, but I know when I see it. Right. Um, there's kind of that moment where you're like, yeah. And, and visually, um, texturally, aurally, there's something that's that joie vive, that unexplainable, makes our hair stand up a bit, or makes makes us want to have that in our living room, or makes us feel something that we didn't know we could feel. Um, I think that's art to me.
1: This is the Minot Arts Podcast, a map to the arts in small town America with your host, Justin.
2: And Shandell.
1: As we continue into the beginning of season two of our podcast, today's guest is a composer, writer, professor, director, musician, vocalist, extraordinaire, Dr. Emerson Eads. Thank you for joining us
0: today. Uh, my pleasure.
2: Can you tell us a little bit about your background um, and how you became involved in the arts?
0: Yeah, my uh, I was born in New Hampshire. My family moved to Alaska when I was six, and my dad was a pianist and composer and my mom was also actually a, an amateur singer and songwriter so i kind of grew up uh i mean there are pictures of me like in my dad's lap while he's playing the piano mm-hmm. and that's kind of the how i grew up and uh and as f- for as early as i can remember i remember sitting by him at, on the piano bench and playing f- four hands with him like making stuff up like just being improvisatory and i think those were my first memories of doing something like making art. Um, I didn't know what it was. I was making noise next to him. Um, But eventually it turned into creative energy. And I think um, probably the earliest uh, memory I have is that. Um, As far as like becoming involved in the arts, that was a decision that was not... A, I re- I remember this very well. I was in high school. I was, it was during it was my senior year in high school. No, junior year in high school. Sorry, uh, the O.J. Simpson trial was happening, mm-hmm. and I wanted to be a lawyer so bad. I was I read all of Johnny Cochran's and F. Lee Bailey's books. I was in the, on the debate team. Um, I was headed to law school. That was my goal, and um, I remember one day in choir, my choir teacher, um, her name is Lael Hipschman and she, um, she was a Yale early music graduate, uh, with a master's and God knows what she was doing in Delta Junction, Alaska, but, um, crazy. And she was our choir teacher and I can get really emotional talking about it. So beware. Um, <laughs> uh, she, um, asked me to come up and lead warm-ups because she would ask some of the kids to just lead warmups every day every now and then. And I got up there and I was being a, a typical high school kid, I guess. And I got up there and no know, knowing that I would get a laugh, I mimicked exactly what she did. This big sweeping gestures and she had this long hair and she would kinda, you know. And of course I did exactly <laughs> that. And all the kids started laughing. And It was a success. It was a booming success for that little, for me, (laughs) being a horrible child. And I remember she did not do a thing. She just let it happen, didn't mention it at all. And then uh, that night, she, or that afternoon, she asked me, would you like to take uh, music lessons? I was like, no, thanks. And... And uh, so the next day, next choir day, she asked me to conduct um, the choir in the Messiah. We were doing For to Us, a Child Was Born. I, w- I will never forget that because that was the piece, the first piece I ever conducted. <laughs> this little high school group in Alaska that probably sounded awful. It sounded great to me, but, you know, <laughs> probably was awful. And I remember going up, just, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Didn't know what I was doing and just started waving my arms because I kind of knew the music. And I was like four and two, and from that point on, I just was like, oh, "This is what I'm doing. This is it." And um, I remember she, after that, she uh, said, "Well, you, in order to do this, you need to, you know, learn how to sight sing. You need um, to learn music theory, and um, and then then you can start getting into hand waving." After that, so I was like, "Okay, I'm in," and she gave me free after school lessons. Wow. Uh, You know, we were poor and she just did that. And um, she, (laughs) I'm getting emotional now, Um, but she would have me listen to these um, great works of art and uh, like Mahler. And um, I remember as a, you know, a little kid hearing, not a little kid, I'm a high school kid, but hearing Mahler, uh, Mahler 8, Mahler 2, Mahler 3, all the big, Uh, choral symphonies that Mahler did. I remember hearing them for the first time and just absolutely being transported. um, And she was really responsible for that. And to this day, she came to my wedding last year here in Minot, and um, she and her husband um, told me and my wife that they wanted us to own a piano uh, before I was too old to appreciate it, <laughs> and so they uh, they gave us the money to buy a piano, and we well, obviously we could never have afforded it on, on a on a professor salary. <laughs> uh, but um, but that relationship has been something that's been very very special and very unusual. Um, I know there are educators that are. Educators that invest in their students, um, are really special and really rare. I think, um, you see it, I see it here. I see educators just pouring themselves into, into little musicians and you don't get a whole lot of promise right away and it takes a while. And, and sometimes you retired before you ever hear from them. I mean, I've really, she's retired and living in Atlanta, but. Um, it's a pretty thankless job for a while and I really respect it. The ones that put themselves out there consistently and yeah, it's a big, it's a big responsibility and it takes so much energy, especially these days too. It's,
1: it's crazy. And that was a baby grand too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Baby grand. I saw the pictures as you were assembling it. Yeah. There's no way we
0: could get something like that. That's
2: awesome. That's really cool. So where did it go from there?
0: Um, <clears throat> so, I eventually got uh, an undergraduate degree in vocal performance from the University of Alaska Fairbanks. Um, I became the director of uh, choirs. Well, I, I became the, chor- the, chor- the, the chorus master for the Opera Company, Opera Fairbanks, and which was an w- incredible opportunity because. I got to learn these operas um, that we did up there with some really great people that would fly in just to see Alaska. So they were some really big names like Paul Pushka and David Cangelosi and um, uh, Vivica Janot and all these names that are maybe not, you know, on the street kind of names, but names that when you're in opera, you're like, wow, Barry Banks. And they would come in and and I would be able to learn this opera with these amazing singers and so I would I was chorus master for opera fairbanks and they gave me that job really um <laughs> they were they were very kind to give me that job, I'll say that. I <laughs> wasn't exactly, you know, uh I mean I was from interior Alaska, who who knew what I could do. Um and then uh I inaugurated the sim the Fairbanks Symphony Choir. So they didn't have a choir, they would use the school choir and they would use, uh, you know, high school choirs. But Edward Zilberkant, this Russian conductor, fabulous guy, he really wanted a symphonic choir that he could always use with the orchestra. So he's like, Emerson, we need you to get this done. And um, I was like, okay. And uh, he was like one of those guys. He just his energy, just like like I'm not going to tell you no. Yeah, you can't. And so I did that, and we did, you know, Beethoven's Ninth, Requiem choral Fantasy, Beethoven, uh Carmina Burana, all the big choral warhorses we did. And uh then I got my masters in vocal performance from the University of Alaska Fairbanks. And then I just taught adjunct at, at UAF. Uh, I taught um, voice adjunct and taught uh I conducted the university choir there. Um and did opera, the, the the Opera Fairbanks gigs, and realized that, uh, so I think one of my friends said, you know, you really need to get out of Alaska. You need to, like, grow a little. And I was like, I... And uh, so I... Um, choral directing has always been my love, and I, I always knew that that's what I would do. And so I... Uh, a friend of mine who, some friends of mine who went through the Yale um, uh, Sacred Music program told me that this new director at Notre Dame uh, was the prior director of Sacred Music at Yale, and she had just jumped ship to Notre Dame, and then there was lots of money there. Like, try to get it. It's a great program. Well, I looked into the program, and then I realized this director that was there, uh, Carmen uh, Helena Teas, is her name. Um, she was my teacher and, um, I've re- when I realized that she was at Notre Dame, I was like, Oh my God, I've got to study with her. Cause I'd seen a Ted talk with her way prior to that, where she was just describing my feelings about choral music in a way that I was like, Oh man, like she, her, her whole emphasis at the time was something about, you know, Choral music is just—it's not about getting up and singing on risers and singing with music. It, it's a—it's you've got to create art with it. It is impacting, and it's—it's it's not just you know dead choral singing. And and that really resonated with me. And so, um, I applied to the program and got into the doctoral program, and that really changed my life. I I went and um, you know. The colleagues that I have there, are, you know, dear dear friends that I keep in contact with today, and and then this was my first job after graduating in 2018, landed here, and um, yeah, it was it was not a path that I you know ever thought I would take. I mean, really, in, in terms of how it happened, but um, I can't think of another way or another route that I would have taken. I, I think everything is right. I, I met my wife here mm-hmm. and my, I would never have met Abby if I hadn't. Moved. You met Abby in Minot. Well, I met her because um, the MSU faculty asked me to do um, some connect, some connection with alumni, gave me a list of like promising alumni. Can you do like web pages or something f- on our website for these little blips of, mm-hmm promising alumni so I reached out to her and you know checked out her her her, her web page and I was like hmm and, uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and
0: but then I was like you know she's in Seattle like you know um but then her grandmother died and she ended up coming back here and um yeah I never would have met her unless I had hmm. taken this job and actually when I well, after I graduated f- from Notre Dame the the, I had two jobs, two job offers. The one was here, and the other was at uh, American University in United Arab Emirates in Sharjah, which is like right near Dubai. Wow. Okay. And and it was a I had to go meet a sheik in DC for my interview. That was my interview. And uh, the oh my god, it was just I I was I was like if I was any if I was like in my twenty late twenties, I think I would do it. Yeah. Bec- but there was no like, it, it wasn't a tenure track job like this one was, and so I thought, you know what, I better, I better stick to the, stick to the tenure track position, and I'm glad I did. I don't know where I'd be. <laughs> 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 so
1: that's 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 quite the circle. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Uh, it's I, it it surprises me how many people involved in the arts at one point wanted to be lawyers. Huh. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Because both of us yeah. had that. As that was, an, really? that was as the track that thing. I was oh going to yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have come from a variety of places and been a part of a variety of different communities um, in your path through the arts. Can you talk a little bit about um, working working in the arts through a rural atmosphere in a rural community
0: oh definitely i know something about that <laughs> well <laughs> from alaska um the ah man i i think actually what, what i always end up telling people is how similar it, well when you grow up in a small community um people are much more grateful for the art that they can get um there's um, there's a gratitude, there's a um, a treasuring and a guarding of the valuables that are there um, that I don't think exists in quite the same way. You know, while it's wonderful to you know go to Minneapolis or Seattle or you know the, a big metropolis and see a great show or the the day to day, um impact that happens with in a rural area where people where you get to see like multi-generational performances where you know uh like for example here in minot ken and De Vera singing right. with their son nathan singing with their grandson silas i mean like that yeah. kind of stuff and you get to see like a little kid getting inspired or like seeing a different path uh, you get to see that moment happen you get to see those moments happen um there's just there's more purity I think in the in a production that's done in a local small rural area because people are volunteering their time their energies I mean I was I was we we've had some I remember in uh, with opera Fairbanks the uh we did, we had this This mezzo soprano—I won't say her name—but she uh, (laughs) she she came in to do uh, a show with us by Rossini. I won't say the name of the show, and uh, and she there was a scene where she had to throw a tea a teapot, and it was supposed to break, you know. And of course, she had to have—you're supposed to have a special, you know, pottery piece that doesn't quite break like right. It doesn't Doesn't shatter. shatter. Mm -hmm. It breaks. Well, of course, this is a small town theater and the stage hand, the, the props manager was like the librarian from the high school and Mm. come in, you know, after work and she, you know, and she handed the wrong teapot to the, to the mezzo soprano and the mezzo soprano broke it. And then she just started screaming at this props manager, like, what did you, you know, and uh, I remember vividly watching this and just being uh, like this little lady was just like, I'm just, I'm just trying my best here. I'm so sorry. I didn't know. And uh, that you see things like that when you're in a rural place, you see people giving them, giving of themselves in a way that's far beyond what a union props manager would be doing under sure. those same circumstances. These people are donating their time out of very full schedules, um, to do, to make this work. And so there's much more, there's, there's much more of an attitude of can do, let's get this done, you know, with Baylor twine or with, you know, whatever it may be, let's get the show up and running. And, um, I think that's, I think that's one of the beautiful things about rural, um, art making, but also just the, the, um, the contribution of, of local businesses, local partners, um, that aren't just giving money. Uh, they're not just giving money to a show. They're not giving money to an organization. They're giving money to the fact that their kids sang in Western Plains children's Mm -hmm. choir and and they and they know how that kid went home and sang their themselves to sleep you know or or you know they know how that how that kid felt when their that choir director retired and, right and and the meaning that that had and so they that's why they're giving they're not giving to just sponsor so there's a there's a depth in everything from money to props to the actual singing that's really special in uh in a rural setting
2: do you think it's interesting then that you you took this position instead of the other one coming back to an environment that has those rural roots like do you see any connection between how you grew up in your relationship as a child to your arts opportunities and what you're able to provide in this community
0: hmm. yeah I mean uh, there are definite definite similarities uh, it's not quite so isolated. <laughs> <here in Monat. laughs> right? I mean, it is. The funny thing is people always talk about how isolated mine is right. or off the beaten path. And it is true. You have to, I mean, you got to go through Minneapolis in order to get anywhere plane, you know, or, De- you know, Denver, but, but yeah, it's not like taking a four hour trip in order to get out of the state and then to anywhere else. So it's a lot less, um, uh, what is the word remote remote
2: thank you and there's sort of been a theme about like full circle the last couple Mm. of conversations that we've had like do you see any theme from you know your experience with the rural arts growing up to what you're able to offer the community or some what you want to offer the community with that
0: i mean i i think that there are obvious connections between you know making art in Alaska and making art in North Dakota, very similar uh, aesthetics. Um, I think there are, in order to, in order to, in in order to make, in order to make things happen, in order to make art happen, especially when, like for instance, Messiah is coming up.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) And I always just like, it always comes at the, this really busy time of year and there are, um, there are so many people from the community that are invested, especially the heritage singers Mm -hmm. that are invested in making this happen. But there has been a, over time, less and less younger people getting involved in making it happen. Like, like there was. And, um, it's been it's been one of those it's a it's a good it's a good uh indication of what it's like to put together art in this in a rural area because to get people to come on a Monday night just to rehearse Messiah to get this thing going because we've done it for a century we've done it for a century in my right. right and like I would hate to, on my watch to be the guy that Messiah stopped happening. I <laughs> <Yeah>. used <laughs> the guy that killed Messiah. Um, and, but the, the energy that it takes to get all those groups together, to get the instrumentalists together and uh, free to get them to play for free, Mm -hmm. to get choristers to come in for free, to get as many soloists as you possibly can for free to put on this labor of love for students at MSU for their scholarships, for their music scholarships, it takes a Herculean amount of energy. And that's just one little thing. The energy that it takes to to, to do art. Um, there's this song by Sondheim. Art isn't easy. Any minor detail is a major decision. Got to keep things in scale just to hold to your vision. Um, and it's like doing that every time you're doing something. It's just like, it. it, it can be draining. But the, I think the, um, the rural aspect back to that is feeding when you realize that somebody in the audience, uh, is, um, uh, has just come to the oasis has just been hungry for this and came and it was the thing they needed to like, you know, face another day or, um. And that's the that's the stuff that that is that really makes making art and the and the effort that it takes to do it uh, superiorly enjoyable. Not to mention the connections with other people, the people that you're making the music with. Uh, I mean, I look at like like Ken and Devira, for instance. They've been what 30, 30 years yeah. doing doing what I'm currently doing, and um what i've been trying to do for 6 years they've been doing for 30 um and and all the other faculty that are there that make this music and make make art and um and the amount of the amount of uh you know self uh evisceration and and um you know uh What's the word I'm looking for? That that deprecation, that that mm-hmm. internal insecurity. That is this art? Is am I good enough? Is this what people want to see? Not enough people are at my concert. Does that mean anything? Is not enough people are are coming to these shows? Am I am I doing something wrong? What's wrong with me? Um, and and then you get a chance to sit back and listen for a minute and you're you're brought back to that, oh my gosh, this is why we make music. It it can it can be really soul sucking at times and at other times it it's just the, the moment that you needed to carry on.
2: I definitely feel that, I think, even with, like, the events that we put on, which obviously we're not, like, the performers in those, we're just organizing, but, like, right. our after hours, you know, we don't RSVP for that, we're waiting every every time, yeah. to, like, see who shows up, like, how many people are going to be here, like, are we, you know, is everybody going to have a good time, is there going to be enough people here that there's going to be, like, enough energetic exchange that it's going to be worth their time, and so there's all that anxiety and all that getting everything ready beforehand, but oh, then that never
1: goes away.
2: It, no, 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 right? It's just part of the process, right? Part of the creating. That's the, the depressing event, news, <laughs> right? But then once you're there and you get a chance to sit down and listen to the music, or paint on the canvas, or just like take the time to have a conversation with somebody who's there with you, and you're just like, oh, like, and you allow yourself to participate, yeah, outside yeah. of it, then you can, then you know why you're doing it.
1: I'm finding it very interesting too to come into this episode right after talking to Ellen Mm -hmm. um, from the symphony Mm. and uh, that, that ability that this community has had over the last hundred plus years of community pulling together to create something so you bring the messiah and the messiah is not some fun little piece that you can get together and (laughs) oh yeah this is fun like this is a weighty deal like and there are so many people you rehearse three times before a, a major performance and there are so many people in that choir that have done it year after year after year. They don't even need the three rehearsals anymore at right. this point. They know what they're doing when they come in. They come to the rehearsals as much to see who else is there, right? <laughs> as they are there to rehearse because right. they know what they're doing. Yeah. And I I know when you when you took over the Messiah a couple years ago, I I wasn't able to be in it, but. I heard a lot from the other guys in the Heritage Singers because it had been done. Uh, Ken had done it for so long, right. and now here's this new director. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> you know. Look out. But I, there were so many that said, well, it was it was so interesting because he brought something different to it. Hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, it doesn't have to be the same thing, right? Time after time, like he has a different energy. He's he's interpreting things different, and that's always fun, especially with these curmudgeonly old guys. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I
2: think it's a really interesting. I think it opens the door for a really interesting, uh, I don't know, thought exercise or discussion about our relationship with tradition. Hmm. Um, I think hmm. culturally, like I. America's weird for tradition because we don't have like a super long standing, sure. you know, relationship with it the way that a lot of other cultures do. And so when you have something that's been done in a community for decades, um, but the younger generation is like not, it's not as passionate about keeping it going. Um, and it's changed a little bit for the people who are participating. It's just, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about like what it takes to continue to, to make sure that that stays alive.
1: Well, it's right? going back to that whole idea that the worst words for any organization is are we have always done it this way mm-hmm. because that you're, there's no progress. There's no change. You're not you're not bringing in the new. And mm-hmm. there there are a lot of things that, you know, not has succumbed to that because everybody wants it to be this way. And so it's this way always. And then finally somebody comes along, and changes it, and it's always, it. it's scary. <laughs> yeah. You have people that, I don't know what I thought about that. It was different.
0: <laughs> I don't know.
1: I don't like different.
0: Yeah. You know, there is something, there's something to be said though, too, for, for tradition. The, um, <clears throat> one of the things that I've learned from being here is you have this sort of, uh, new, outlook on things and you're like, oh, I'm going to change. This is, this is, this got to change. And, and so you throw this sort of youthful, quixotic, this has to change attitude at something before you really know the tradition and know the people behind it. And often, I mean, I've found myself going, wait a minute, before I start slinging, here uh, throwing a hand grenade and you know let's figure out why they've been doing it for this many years this way and so there really is not a um, I think the more that I'm here the more that uh, the more things make sense Uh, (laughs) you know you first you come you come and you're like why are they doing this why are they doing that and then when you're here and you see the people and you know the tradition and you know then things start to make sense, right. and maybe that's getting older. <laughs> yeah, you just well. don't want to start as many <laughs> fights. You don't want to. Maybe that's some of it too, you know. But
2: well, and I think it's it's really cool to think about that multi generational element in in a community like this because it is those relationships and that level of commitment to something that keeps things going,
1: right. Um. Everybody brings in their own. bit. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, and it's those memories it's... from when you're younger that like fuel the the energy that it takes for you to be like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna wrestle this thing again. Yep. Yep. Right. And it's cool to to see that play out.
0: Well,
1: okay, so I'm going back to that. I don't know why. Um, the Renaissance Feast. Yeah, is something else that you have taken over, and. You have made changes, (laughs) which, and I'm sorry, I never end up able to make it one of these days. One year, I'm going to, it's been a while since I've made it, but I have, I've heard all sorts of the, he finally changed something.
0: (laughs) Uh, It's a wonder I've survived, survived, honestly.
1: The, the, some, some, I mean ch- sometimes change is very necessary sometimes yeah to do things sometimes um, what is it uh, Professor Umbridge change for cha- sake of change is bad or whatever hmm. going to Harry Potter I don't know why <laughs> uh, but but that's that's where we go anyway so you are you are a composer you are writing a lot of your own own pieces that you've been presenting to this community and others um and you've been doing a lot of uh that work and with messiah renaissance Mm -hmm. or all that with the chamber corral and everything what elements or how does your rural upbringing and your uh, commitment to now this rural community how does that rural nature Impact your art and how you do things.
0: I think there's something to the way that I'm that I make when I create. Like I was talking about uh, with regard to what is art, the um, the desire to have um, a safe space or architecture. I think was the word I used mm-hmm. um, where y- you can inhabit and, and, uh, live in the art that you're making. For me, perhaps that is the, you know, from coming from a cold, uh, climate of just wanting to be inside a safe space where, you know, the howling wind and 40 below zero weather, I don't know. Um I think there's definitely that correlation weather climate-wise here. Mm-hmm. Um but in terms of how I create the art, I don't I don't create any differently um you know when I was here, you know when I was in Alaska to how I was when I was in South Bend and Chicago and I I just you know that's what I do. But I think it maybe plays into aspects of uh, being in rural settings because of the the music becoming a space, an actual space for me.
2: Can you talk about any collaborations or community engagement projects that you've been involved in here in Minot?
0: Yeah. Um, this year actually has been a really um, terrific collaboration year. Um, the Minot Chamber Chorale, In particular has partnered with um the dakota pro musica from Mm -hmm. bismarck uh which you guys have been supportive of too (laughs) bravo um jason thomes is a terrific friend and um ever since he arrived here in north dakota there's just been a flourishing of choral art and certainly in bismarck and this year, we collaborated. The Ch- Minot Chamber Choir collaborated with Dakota Pro Musica to put on uh, "Considering Matthew Shepard," mm-hmm. 25 years since Matthew Shepard's death, and we did two performances: one here and one in Bismarck, uh, which were very well attended. It was r- remarkable, actually, um, how well attended they were, and then. We did a performance in Bemidji, took the choir to Bemidji and co- collaborated with the Bemidji Symphony and Beverly oh, wow. Everett who conducts that orchestra as well. And, um, and so yeah, three arts organizations, one out of state and two in state. It's pretty r- remarkable undertaking, but we, we did it and it, it really was a successful collaboration. Um, the wonderful thing about collaborations is that they make, they make possible things that would never be possible, uh, especially in music. When you collaborate with people, it makes the possibilities of pieces of music you're able to do so much bigger. And, um, and in this case, it was considering Matthew Shepard by Craig Hella Johnson. The next collaboration we're doing is in uh, March with the Minot Symphony. Oh, okay. uh, we'll be collaborating with them and I'll be conducting my Mass for the Oppressed with the minor Mm, symphony. And um, it was really, really uh, gracious of uh, Maestro Amaya, Ephraim Amaya, to allow me to do that um, as the conductor of the symphony. Whenever you allow another conductor in, it's like a little bit of a, um, (laughs) you know, a little side eyes, a little bit of, you know, because that's his group, Mm -hmm. you know. And then for him to allow me to do my Mass for the oppressed, and then to bring in my choir and, um, and then we'll be doing Finlandia as well with, uh, with the chamber corral. Um, so that, that collaboration. And then in spring, we'll be doing uh, the Minot chamber corral because of a very generous donor in the group. Um, we'll be bringing in Z. Randall Stroop, who came a few years ago, actually, I think about 10 years ago, before my time, And uh, he'll be coming to do uh, like a master class and also conduct a bunch of his pieces. Um, So that's a terrific opportunity. I think a lot of the, actually, I think the, um, we're trying to get like the heritage singers, the voices of note, all the ships at sea in, in choir land to come and be part of that. And so that's another collaboration amongst the choral peeps here in town. So yeah, collaboration um, is alive and well here in Minot, and the and and the cool the, the 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 indicative part about that is that people are willing to help each other, and that is, um, I mean, especially when you're not going when you're not doing something for money, when you're doing something for a purpose. Um, again, something that. Happens only in rural places, I think, uh, where people are willing to do something, just because, and and then collaboration makes that, just because, into something far bigger and far more poetic or artistic um, than it ever could have been. So
2: yeah,
1: through throughout this, you've you've gotten involved in various parts of the community because you came here. To be a professor at MSU, mm-hmm. but you ended up with the chamber corral as well, mm-hmm. and doing various things there. How how did that end up coming about? Did you did you seek this out? Did you expect this to happen?
0: No, I, I actually I was my first year here, my first semester. Uh, this this guy kept coming into my rehearsals. This older guy, and he would just sit down in the rehearsals. I never I didn't know who he was. And finally I asked him I was like who are you? <laughs> and it turned out to, it turned out to be Bob Dempke. Okay. And he was just watching my rehearsals and I think he I think he was probably planning on on retiring and wanted to know if I would be interested and if I would be a good fit. And I imagine it was kind of like an audition. I didn't know it was happening. Um and so he asked me about it and I said, yeah, I'd, of course I'd be willing. And next thing I know, I was in a board meeting and, and, uh, and then found out that I was hired. So, um, yeah, it, it really, that just honestly fell in my lap. And if, and of course, Bob, if, if Bob had hated me, then Sure. Then it wouldn't have happened. <laughs> I really love that he didn't like make an introduction or anything first. No, he, he just, just showed, showed up. up. No, he showed <laughs> up. I remember him sitting like his cross legged, kind of sitting back and just kind of watching. And uh, yeah, anyway.
2: I want to have that much, like, I don't know, just be that comfortable in my position in life that I can just like walk into a room and like unannounced and
0: <laughs> just sit back. Yeah. Just be like,
2: hmm, I'm going to judge you. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> No, he never came off that way. Honestly, he just always was. He was just there at rehearsals, and I honestly thought he was just a, a like a connoisseur, or just wanted to be like. Because all my rehearsals are are open. Sure, no one comes, but he, yeah, he was the only one that's ever come. Really, it's funny. It is. Well, and word. you've done a you you've done a few changes over there too, with the chamber crawl. Yeah, we've done a few changes, like with the Renaissance Feast in particular. We've done. Um, we've, we've tried to streamline it a bit because honestly, that group was putting on such a show. I mean, stage and lighting and sound and, uh, hours and hours of, of, you know, stage painting and, and I mean, and then actually the costumes are just as ornate as they always have been. They're amazing mm-hmm. costumes by Laurel Livingston and uh, Jackie Younger. Amazing. Um, But we've tried to reduce the amount of time that's taken to build the set to, uh, you know, because all this stuff has to go somewhere. That's another problem with the arts in Minot is storage for all these things. And um, so we've tried to reduce what we're using to put on the feast, which Mm -hmm. is, we're not doing a huge set anymore. We tend to just use... Uh, symbolic aesthetic you know uh, renaissance-y banners and things Uh, I'm sorry I'm not making doing a justice for what those what those uh, ladies are doing (laughs) (laughs) really but we tried to reduce it because people were spending so much time outside of their jobs and whatever to do this that it just became untenable like it was Mm -hmm. huge what the things that they've done, the pictures that you see from like the eighties, nineties in chamber corral is just, <sighs> I mean, it's a full blown production. Um, so we've tried to take it down a notch in terms of the set and the, 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 the dinner theater aspect of it and maybe make it more, um, music centric. So we try to do a major work, uh, a musical, major musical work within the context of the feast. And then they have, there's a, there's the play element. There's a the Lord of the Manor and that's Eric Ferriseth and he comes out and does his thing. And the choir is all well, part of Eric's that. Eric's been
1: doing it for 50 years. He, oh, okay. he is. Sorry, Eric, I know it hasn't he, been 50 years.
0: He is so, so <laughs> recognizable. And, uh, um, but yeah, that we're, Things are morphing as as different people are coming into the organization. There, mm-hmm. are, the, the board is changing, the group itself is changing. Um, so it's it's uh, we have to kind of make we have to make our efforts in the group match the people, the personnel that are in you know that are in it. And so, I think I'm doing less changing of things for the sake of changing things, and more. Trying to adopt a sustainable, let's keep the Renaissance Feast alive. And because again, I'd hate to be the guy that Renaissance Feast closed. <laughs> <on>.
1: <laughs> well, even with the group in general, I've noticed because I I I know several members of the Chamber corral and you're doing at your other concerts. You're doing fun. Modern music and just some of the different things. And obviously it's working because you have a younger choir that, I mean, you have, you have younger people in this choir and that's... We still need that's more. That's something we need that more. struggles,
0: so... Yeah. We need more, though. We're, we, uh, any, you know, I'm constantly that you know, when I go to atypical or when I run into people that... Sure. Random strangers, I'm like, do you sing? And people... Students run in the halls. Going, no, I don't say. <laughs> no, you know. But oh, it's Sunday. Don't run into Emerson. Yeah, right. don't drag you to rehearsal.
1: <laughs> yeah. Do you have Do you have any artistic outlook, outlets other than music?
0: That's a good question. I don't think so. <laughs> I, well, then it's not I that good of a question. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I guess I. Uh, I love to cook. Maybe that's maybe that's mm-hmm. an artistic yeah. I don't think I'm an artist though when I cook. I it's just to consume. <laughs> but <laughs> but I love to cook. So there's that um so no artistic outlets. I'm a pretty I think music is pretty much every I mean if I have any extra time, any it's at the piano or I go down to my I have a little a studio in my house, and I just work on something. Yeah. Um, I like to I like to mountain bike when I don't have. That's not really art at all, but <laughs> I don't know. I it can be when I watch real mountain <laughs> bike people, it is artistic. Sure. But I'm not. <laughs> I like to do it, but I'm not. And Abby is part time in Seattle still, right? She has. She is the. Conductor in residence of the Edward Grieg Society in uh, Seattle. Yeah. So she has that gig and she flies back from time to time to do that.
2: Um, do you have any projects coming up that you're really excited about?
0: Um, I'm I'm really excited about uh, uh, the, uh, I'm collaborating, I'm singing uh, the Verity Requiem with, The Bismarck Symphony uh, this week, so uh, I'll be going down there every day for 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 rehearsals, and then Friday and Saturday those performances happen, and then the next weekend I'll be going to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, A choral piece of mine is being uh, performed there by the Ann Arbor Vocal Arts Ensemble. Wow! And that's like such a wonderful when you're a composer um uh, it it in some ways is more enjoyable because you get to go and not i guess you do have nerves sometimes you don't know if your piece is how your piece is going to come off or if it's going to be done well i know it's going to be done well so um but you i also don't know if the piece will be successful like sure. if i'm going to like it mm-hmm. um and so there's always that i hope i like it um so there's those sort of nerves, but it's nothing like having to go sing a, you know, a big piece because you're at the mercy of your voice. You could get sick. I mean, there's all manner of things that could happen. and um,
2: So that's fun. You get to travel yeah. somewhere else mm-hmm. to listen to other people perform your music. Exactly right.
0: Exactly. That's no, that's fun. really, honestly, that is the most, one of the most enjoyable things that I do is going to... Um, Going to hear my music performed and it and it and you make connections with those people that somehow uh, like this piece. Actually, I brought up my music teacher, um, Lael Hipschman and her husband Andrew just died of cancer and that piece is dedicated to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it carries a special, uh, connection and, um, so yeah, that, that's yeah, a, that's and it's a, cool.
2: you get to travel around and like share that with other people in honor. Of, that's really neat.
0: Yeah, really cool. it, it is. A, it's yeah, it's very, on the one hand, it's a very selfish, yes, I, I love to travel. So it's like, <laughs> yes, I get to travel. <laughs> um, but it's, but it is also like the connections that you make with people that are singing your music. Um, it, it's it's so incredible to see people giving themselves to your music mm. when there's so much great music out there. I mean, when you see, you know, Brahms, Bach, Beethoven, and then you have some great composers that are living here, and then they got Eads here. Eads is That's got to be here. surreal. Yeah, and and you, you know that they have better music they could be working on, and they're working on yours. That's, that's a really...
2: That's just the imposter syndrome talking, though. The yeah, saying that they've got right, better right, music right, that they right. could wow. be working on, right? Like,
0: <laughs> well, it's true, though. I mean, it's
1: I, they have more well-known music, sure. It doesn't mean it, but better. they've
2: made a choice, right? So,
1: all right. So the last question we have a tendency to ask people when we remember to ask. Sometimes we forget. <laughs> uh, if you had one and just one arts related piece of advice that you would give. Either somebody new to the community or visiting the community, what would it be?
0: I think it would be to join an arts organization, either join or attend. Um, I think one of the one of the things that makes a community seem much, much more connective and vital is when you embed yourself with a group of singers or musicians or artists. You get, to, you get to see your community in an entirely different way and hear your community in an entirely different way. Um, and it makes the being here, um, a lot of people come to Minot not necessarily wanting to come to Minot. Right. Um, Air Force people, um, that's the only thing that comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> Air Force people. Um, but... But one of the things that makes your time here in Minot uh, more, far more meaningful and, and far more uh, beautiful is uh, making music with other people. And I, I mean, I'm telling people all the time, like singing in your car is a, is, a, um, is a prerequisite for joining the choir. If you sing in your car, then you can join the choir. If you sing in the shower... You can join the choir. Um, and often it's not just the, 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 the amazing technique and the amazing ability that you have as a singer. It's the fact that you're singing next to, you know, Doug, who's an attorney downtown, who or, or a dentist who, mm-hmm. uh, you know, can help your kid out at some point. Or, you know, you're, you're making connections in a community that are very vital. And when you make music with people, when you make art with people, those connections are so much more strong. Um, I know from experience, from singing in a choir, that the I had, uh, you know, I had a I had one experience when I was in uh, college singing in the World Youth Choir for two weeks in in Prague, and those those kids that I sang with are people that I talk with today from Palestine, from Israel, from Germany, from Vienna, from, and they're just those connections are so strong and it's because of music. It's not because it's not because uh, you know, I'm such a great person or (laughs) they were such a great people. um, Really, it was the music that we were singing and the performances that we had together that made that connection so vital. And um, so, yeah, I guess my advice would be join an arts organization, volunteer for an arts organization um, and experience the art here in Minot. And uh, one last thing, I, I think Minot is so <laughs> amazing that uh, we have, you know, we hear this a lot, but it's, it bears repeating. We have a professional orchestra. We've got an opera company. We've got, my gosh, like five or six choral organizations. Um, we've got two bands, right? A city band. A three band, so yeah, and a community Mm -hmm. band and a a university band. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just there's so much here, and uh, that couldn't have happened without a century of tradition and a century of inculcating music and the appreciation of it and appreciation of art. Um, And we are so grateful to Maca for. All that you guys do to make us thrive, um, I can I can say that um, it takes so much energy to to apply for these things to put your name out there to go. <laughs> I'm yeah we're we need ten thousand dollars and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to apply for this. It takes so much energy to do that, but it also takes energy to be the organization that is getting money so that you can parse it out mm-hmm. too. And we're so grateful. Thank you for all that you guys do.
1: It bears repeating that we do not instruct our guests in what they say. Their <laughs> <answers>. <laughs> we do not have any part of that. And, <laughs> and we're lucky
2: again, like lucky to be in this community that makes what we do easy. Like right. it's easy to be annoyingly passionate about our arts community in a community that has really cool stuff happening all the time and really passionate arts leaders who are changing the game and want to instill that in the roots of our community. Like it makes our jobs easy. So,
1: well, and as somebody who's been a part of several different groups, I really appreciate that answer um, of, of joining, a group, an organization, being a part of something. I have met so many people doing theater that have come from completely different areas and they moved on to do something completely different. But, you know, for a little while, while they were in town, you know, I was a part of their family because we shared a stage together. Yeah, You know, that, that sharing a stage with somebody in a performative aspect, it is a bond that is can't be rivaled that's true by just anything and so yeah whether it is choir or theater or just some other element of the arts because even here in this office we get people from that are in town from the air force and they're like well i'm an artist i don't what does my not have to offer and I love it when they come to me with yeah, that because right? I'm like, well, let me tell you. They came to the right place. <laughs> Here's the list. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're always wide-eyed and excited when they find out that there are so many different avenues that they can be a part of something. So that's great. Well, Emerson, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, indulging us by answering a few questions.
0: Thank you for having me. Yeah. It's been a delight. Absolutely.
1: Uh, this has been the My Not Arts podcast, a map to the arts in small town America with your hosts, Justin and Chandel. Thank you for listening.
2: Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed our antics today and would like to hear more from us, we'd greatly appreciate you leaving a review or subscribing via whatever platform it is that you're listening to podcasts on. The Minot Arts Podcast is hosted by Justin Anderson and Shandell Latin. is presented as a program of the Minot Area Council of the Arts in Minot, North Dakota, and is produced by Brandon Tronson of More Than Music. This project is supported in part by Grant from the North Dakota Council on the Arts, which receives funding from the state legislature and the National Endowment for the Arts. Thank you again for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us or any of our programming, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram or online at minotarts.org.